from Studio B in Athens, Ohio, you're listening to Sports Beat on WOUB 1340 with Luke Steinert and Claire Geary. Now, here's your host, Luke. Sports Beat here on 1340 WOUB. It seems wild. We're in the middle of February, but baseball is back tomorrow at the professional level. First game of spring training tomorrow afternoon. A game many people probably don't care about in this area. Rangers versus Royals. Oh yeah. At 3:05, but it is back as even last week. The Indians wish it wish it wasn't back. Yeah, see, a lot what, of people. See what happened today? I did not. Uh, Carrasco went down with like a, a leg muscle strain. Um, There's always so many random injuries that don't make much sense how they happen in spring training, but they do. Um, J. Ram got hit with a pitch in the foot. It was both of them were on crutches at the end of the day. Not great. And then. Uh, Lindor fouled off, fouled off a ball and broke a thirty thousand dollar piece of equipment. What was it? Th- was that like the rap soda thing? Yeah, yeah, like the tracking things. Yeah, thirty thousand dollars. That's not great, especially if it's thirty thousand dollars and it's going to be near where a baseball could possibly hit it. Probably some poor planning there, a little yeah. bit too. R- rough day. Yeah, <laughs> start again tomorrow. But it's still nothing that Landor can't handle, or the Indians organization can't handle. I'm sure they had probably like five backups. They're fine. Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, I, mean, I mean, this is the this is the the Indians we're talking about. They probably don't have very much money devoted to that. Yeah, they're they lucky also, they got the true. one. Yeah, that's probably also very true. At the same time, Cleveland Cavaliers also restart their NBA season tomorrow. That's in two ways: after the All Star break and with a new head coach, as head coach John Beeline officially resigned yesterday over the All Star break. Uh, and then Bobcats big weekend for them as women's basketball, basketball, men's basketball as well, uh, still going on. Wrestling has three meets, one on Friday, two on Sunday. Uh, Softball travels to Charleston, South Carolina for a five-game set against five different teams, and baseball travels to Lexington, South Carolina, for a three-game set versus St. Louis. I've kind of already mentioned about it, Paul, but Cavaliers coach John Beeline retires officially from the head coaching position assistant coach J.B. Bickerstaff now promoted to the interim head coach for the remaining 28 regular season games. And it was kind of something that we saw coming because it gradually started, I believe it was on Saturday during the, no, Sunday during the All-Star game where it came out originally that the Cavaliers were possibly thinking about having Beeline was either leave or Beeline was going to step down himself. Yeah, honestly, it makes sense. And I was happy with it. I mean, I wasn't too thrilled about his hire initially. I don't trust college coaches going to the NBA because I mean, especially an older college coach like Beeline. Exactly, and so, um, yeah, no, I was kind of okay with it because I was really watching the season, kind of afraid that he was gonna have to go through his five-year contract or at least two or three years before they kind of gave up on him. So, honestly, um, I'm okay with it if they stick with Bickerstaff um, because they, they didn't give Bickerstaff the interim role. He's just the head coach now. Do you know how long? Like, do they have like a contract set up no, for him after this year? No, I'm not sure. Because I like him. I, I I think he could be a good coach for this team. Um, it's just a matter of I don't want to see him get kicked out in a year and them go in some other random direction. Because this it is, is now it is four, Dan Gilbert. It, true, but this is now. Colin Sexton's fourth coach in two years, which, I mean, I'm also not a huge Colin Sexton guy, but he is a high draft pick who is only in his second year and showed a lot of promise, and now he's going on his fourth coach before he's even completed two seasons in the NBA, and that is not ideal, I would say. No, no, opposite of ideal. Yeah. Um, but, no, I, I mean, he he completely lost control of the locker room. It wasn't going to get better. They, the whole thing about him apparently calling the players thugs – um, but then he claimed he said th- slugs, which regardless, it doesn't matter because after that, there was the report that the players kept playing different songs that had thugs in the t- in the title or throughout the song whenever he came within earshot. So it was clear they had absolutely no respect for the guy and it wasn't going to get any better. You know, I mean, this, this team wasn't, I mean, as much as they wanted to try and tell the fans that they were going to try and win and they're going to, you know, that's why we signed Kevin Love and all that blah, blah, blah. Like, th- clearly this team is, was not set up to win. Um, so I think at this point get the get the high pick, highest pick they can this year, get another wing hopefully. And then, um, no, if they stick with Bickerstaff and go into the next year and kind of get Kevin yeah, Love they, to they quiet have, down. They have a guy now that has coached in the NBA. Yeah. So you're not going to have the – Oh, come in today. It's Christmas. Come practice. Exactly. So, yeah. like, 
it, it's a better situation all around, and I think the players are going to be a little, little better for it. Um, it's kind of funny that Andre Drummond already went to Kobe Altman and said, "I'm not playing for this guy." He played two games for him, right? So, like, I'm not sticking around if he stays. So, I do have a question for my fellow Cavs fans. Do we think Beeline regrets dropping his position with Michigan to come here just to? I actually drop have a conspiracy himself. theory about oh, that. Yeah. Go I, for one hundred percent. My my conspiracy theory is that Dan Gilbert, whether whether or not this worked out, he made Michigan basketball weaker in the short term. He and did. That, that was his whole goal. <laughs> I don't know if that was his whole goal, but I do definitely think at this point in time. I'll say, yeah, you know, I, I do enjoy that Michigan basketball. Just well, he's he's a big Michigan State guy, real, so real down. making making Michigan <laughs> basketball. I mean, I guess it could be possible. Yeah, but he's also dedicated to the state. This is of also Dan Gilbert. Yeah, also Dan Gilbert. Very very true. I always thought it was a very interesting hire from the beginning too. I never thought John Beeline was even willing to leave Michigan. After the years that he well, had, I don't. I don't think anyone ever considered it a possibility. I mean, the dude's like six, what, sixty-seven? Something along those lines. Yeah, like I mean, his his son if you, was if a you head were gonna, coach. If you were going to transition to the NBA, you would have done it like fifteen years ago at that point. Probably, probably more years ago than that. Yeah, but like probably before he was even at Michigan. Yeah, by the time you're sixty-seven and you've been bossing college kids around for the better part of the last forty-five years of your life, it's going to be hard to adapt to how NBA players want to be coached. It's, I mean, that's the and, perfect example. And you have guys like Dan Dockett who are like, oh, well, if you can't play for John John Beeline, then you can't play for anyone because you clearly don't want to win. Like, you can't coach NBA players like you coach college kids. Not at all. So even though a lot of them are still only 19. Basically college kids, yeah. Like, you just can't do that. So being super demanding in the fundamentals and not necessarily doing other things in practice like running plays and then the whole thugs thing, like, just it, it didn't it didn't work. It's probably best that they got out of that now. I agree with that. Yeah, for sure. It's not something. I mean, it's not something they could have let fester and sit. And it, it was not going to get better. He had absolutely no there control was over no that locker room. Way. No, no, and there's and there's a chance that they can keep Andre Drummond for a little while. So like, yeah. why why piss him off this quick? Yeah, I agree. The one thing Cavaliers have come out and said. Uh, J.B. Bickerstaff has also said this, that the Cavaliers are expected to, quote, experiment for the remaining part of the season. Uh, one idea that they did throw out originally was Kevin Porter Jr. running the point guard position like Justice Winslow did in Miami last year. I mean, you got to find something new. you got to see exactly what all you have on your roster. There's a lot of people that I, that I, that I um, talk to in, like, a Cavs group chat Discord that I'm in that want Kevin Porter Jr. to start at this point. He has been awesome. Yeah. He's starting. So athletic. But I mean, you have him and Garland and Sexton. I think you play them all at the same time. That's a that's a lot of athleticism. It's not a whole lot of size. That was but another it's a lot thing of athleticism. Ball it's not a lot of experience though, too. I don't know yeah, if I trust the majority of the but, like, team being else, out there. Who else are you going to start at that point? Like that's true. Uh, who's a better? I th- mean, at this point, you can throw experience out of the door, in my yeah, opinion. That's true. When, when you traded. Look Clark, at what you Clarkson, you lost your best, like, experienced two-guard. Yeah. Like, what are you going to do? True. You can kind of throw experience out of the door right now. You know that the Cavaliers aren't going to make a deep run in the playoffs. Most likely not going to make the playoffs. And when you look at this team at this point, you really just kind of look at them like, what do we have on this roster? Do we want to build around a certain player? Or do we want to try and have a certain player be very, very good to get prospects, those types of things. Yeah, yeah, you're probably also having the internal debate of uh, how many games do we actually want to win? Right now we're the second-worst team in the league. So how many games do we actually want to win going forward in the last 28? Probably not many. Yeah. And I'm guessing if they go with their small ball lineup and those sorts of things, it won't necessarily be hard to not win many games. Yeah. I think Sp- speaking of second-worst line, uh, record, how's everyone going to feel when the Warriors win the, win the line? Oh, I've stopped. Just stop. A lot of people don't want to stop. think about that, stop. so we're not going to. Stop. <laughs> At least in this year, there's no, like, yeah, Zion the, and yeah, John it's Moran. Not like, it's not like a stupid loaded draft at but, the top. Yeah, Anthony but Edwards, still. man, he's really good at basketball. Oh, is he? Oh, <laughs> oh congrats, Warriors. <laughs> I don't uh, know. Giannis apparently is going to go to the Lakers now, so it's fine. I thought the amount I of saw yesterday that he was going to re-sign in Milwaukee. Like, what's I going know. on with Yeah, then nobody knows. The amount of crazy things that He's happen not. in the NBA in a matter of a week, just random thoughts, is absurd. Every now every now and then there's uh, NBA Twitter tweets out the, uh, the, the workplace sign of 
it has been blank days since there was unnecessary drama in the NBA. It's always <laughs> it's always zero. There's no way it's gotten more than like three. <laughs> Another sport that's getting ready to begin, like we kind of touched on a little bit, baseball spring training. First game starts tomorrow, Rangers versus Royals, like I said, at 3.05. I want to quickly touch on the Houston Astros situation. I know we've talked about it a lot, and I know a lot of people have talked about it, and for good reason. It just continues and continues to develop. Paul's rolling up his sleeves. He's getting ready. (laughs) We're going to try and keep this relatively quick, Paul. Don't bang a drum. The biggest thing that I've really come out from is, in the last couple weeks, Commissioner Manfred has just really kind of ignored... How big of a problem this actually is. And that's never what you want to see from a commissioner. I have not liked him for a... I did not like him almost initially when he first got hired. Um, Although I wasn't a big Bud Selig guy. So at first I was like, all right, whatever, it's not Bud. Um, And then, uh, yeah, these past couple of few years with all these ridiculous rule changes. I mean, the guy has absolutely... He knows nothing about the sport. I mean, we've seen in the past couple of days... um, the different suggestions people have. Trevor Bauer was talking about how you can't find a single highlight while it's happening, while the game's going on online, because it's all through MLB. They have such a monopoly on all this stuff out. Where you know the NBA, we see growing so much through social media, Any through sport. all these, through all these other outlets. The, the game of baseball, instead of trying to make it something different you just need to actually promote the game they're not promoting the game at all they're just trying to change every little aspect about it great you put a timer on the pitcher that saves five minutes for the overall game so instead of three hours and 40 minutes it's three hours and 35 oh and guess what the time of game still went up this year so now they're changing the rules too the, that the mound visits the mound visits the the number, number of time of number of batters each pitcher has to face that's completely changing the best parts of the game, which are those little battles in between throughout it, instead of him just like he knows nothing about the sport, and we can see this now. All, it's Mike all, it's all, just, it's all just a conspiracy against the National League Baseball. He just wants everything to be the American League. Yeah, I guess. But Mike Trout even came out and spoke up about this, like the face of the game, Mike your Trout best player, doesn't a general, really even talk. an all-time. Yeah, he doesn't. Yeah, he ever doesn't. Talk. He doesn't really ever say anything. And he came out and spoke out against him saying this stuff, him acting this way. I mean, I don't see. It will be it will be shocking to me if he's still the commissioner in three years. Like he has to get out of there. He, he even drew the drew the uh, attention of LeBron James. Exactly, and then and then you could see <laughs> a too, man who's in the middle of his season. He, yeah. he his first press who's conference been to like was seven baseball games in his life probably. His first press conference was so bad he had to call a second press conference, which right off the bat you know is a bad idea because he just has a second one to be like, oh, so all those bad things I said in the first one. Here's the other thing, and then that one went terribly too. The I baseball mean, baseball is. A whole, according to press conferences and crisis communication, oh, it's been has atrocious. had a atrocious month. Nothing has come out that's not. Good. Not only is base is the major league baseball side going poorly, they haven't even told the Astros to shut up. Like the and Astros are digging their own grave, while the MLB digs it for them, and the MLB's throwing themselves on top of them. Like it's it's been a terrible month for baseball, and oh, it's been an absolute joke. That that press conference from the Astros Astros was an absolute joke, and, and then Rob Manfred only made it worse. I mean, this guy's literally out here saying he's going to suspend players if they throw at them, which will already be more time more suspensions than anybody in this cheating scandal got for three for what, pro, what it was probably what two three seasons of cheating, one of which they won a World two, Series. Like two two and a half, I think is what the official is. It it just it makes absolutely no sense. I mean, I under I I'm personally not a fan of taking away the title. That means nothing. We know the Astros They've won in 2017. Won. It doesn't that doesn't matter. That's why you need to suspend. That's why you need a postseason ban. Things like that. It, we see it in the NCAA when you take 2013. Who won, who won the national title? Louisville over Michigan. Oh, but not technically because they took that title away. But everybody knows it. So that's that that whole outcry by people is stupid and it makes no sense. The, the, what they need to do is suspend the players who are most involved. He even came out in his press conference and said they were doing this during the postseason. They found evidence of that. And still, he won't suspend or do anything. And all he does is say, oh, I think the uh, public backlash is uh, punishment enough. It's obviously not because they're continuing it's, to make it worse on themselves. It's not. If, if you commit a crime at this and point, somebody shames you for it, 
but you don't go to jail. Are you gonna be? Are you gonna be all oh, that? That was right. That was punishment enough. Of course no. not. Nah, nah, I'm just gonna move three states away and I'll it, be fine. Uh, exactly. Of course not. It's the 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 rationale and the logic of his thinking makes absolutely no sense and is asinine. It's ridiculous. I personally never had too much of an opinion on Manfred because, like, baseball commissioner, like, baseball's a little down my list and like sports that I pay attention to regularly, but. Like from someone of an outside perspective on ha- not ha- not caring too much about him, I've never seen, and this is knowing what happened to Roger Goodell in the last five years, I've never seen someone lose public opinion faster than Rob Manfred. I don't think you'll ever see it again either. No, because uh, now, now you got to imagine that the the owners are going to vet their next commissioner a lot harder than whatever they did to get him in there. Yeah. Like... Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't be surprised if the the owners force him out before the end of this year. Like I don't I don't know how the contract I don't know how all that works. Yeah, I don't know how like, that works either. But I mean, it's definitely the owner. Be a matter the owners of, have. I don't think he's returning. No, and you got to like the players' association probably wants, for the for the most part, wants these guys punished harder. The owners want these guys punished harder, except for maybe two. I don't think the Red Sox or Astros want these guys punished any harder. No. Um. So you're you're fighting a losing battle from the from the opinion standpoint public opinion and you just got to you got to make it right for something otherwise you're going to lose people that maybe casually watch baseball because oh why would I watch this the best teams are cheating mm-hmm. Well, then also, like, all you ever – why would I watch this? All you ever hear is about the scandal. I mean, it was the same thing with the Flategate. Obviously, people aren't going to stop watching football. But there was a time there where, I mean, it I mean, they did when they did when Kaepernick took a knee, Well, supposedly. Supposedly, but the numbers show that that didn't happen. But th- that kind of stuff just, like, it just wears on you. Whereas and you're like, really, we're talking about this again? Where you're right, those casual fans are going to go, well, you know, why am I tuning in anymore if – Two of the three hours of the broadcast is talking about this Astro scandal again. Yeah, and then and then there's the other aspect of like, if these teams are going to get away with it, what's going to stop the team other teams from exactly? Doing it? He's not setting a precedent. He's not setting an example. And so you're right. They're not going to stop. It, all it takes is one less than virtuous uh, manager mm-hmm. to do the same crap all over again. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and as an I, Indians fan, you know that you, you have a really good feeling that that guy is not going to be Terry Francona. Yeah. So you're already playing at a disadvantage if yeah. you think that other guys out there doing this. And I mean, this story was dead in the water. It felt like, uh, by the end of 2019 and then it blows up again at the beginning of the year because, you know, training. more information comes out spring training and all this other stuff is if he just, if he just gives a suspension, everybody can move on it'll be over and done with. And the, all the Astros press conference did was just make people more mad because they didn't sound genuine. All they did was make excuses. Their owner literally just tried to avoid uh, questions questions the entire time. And now it's just going to fester even longer, and people are going to get even more mad. Yeah, and then when a third of the AL the AL's pitchers are suspended for hitting them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, what, like... There isn't really it's frustrating. It's, it's, it is. It's frustrating. This is my favorite sport. I love watching Major League Baseball, and I literally—I mean, I can't even defend it anymore at this point. It's ridiculous. No, like it, it's—it you can't defend the sport, and that's when it gets real bad. Yeah, like when you can't defend a team. That's that, that's that's, that's some like that's a team. Yeah, when you can't defend the highest highest uh, level of the organization. And the all, all, and then, and then, of course, like he, like throwing out the postseason changes that they're looking into, like which, I mean, I feel like part of that could have just been to try and distract everybody, and they won't do it. But if they do, I mean, that changes it and makes it even worse too. Players are already speak speaking out against that. This, like, he has no, he's not in touch with the game or with the players. And it, I mean, my goodness. We're sitting here as college students in our early 20s, and we can say, look at what the NBA does. Look at how they listen to players. Look at how they listen to fans. And they are the fastest-growing sport in the world right now, the fastest-growing league in the world right now. And Adam Silver knows how to handle discipline. Exactly. I mean, it's it's not freaking rocket science, and I don't know how he they don't seem to understand this. I understand it's the, you know it's an old sport that doesn't like to change its ways, but you don't have to change anything radically. You don't have to change anything about the game. You just have to change how you market and how you promote it, and then listen to the players that play the game. 
It makes no sense how this guy is so tone deaf and brain dead that he can't understand anything that's going on. Sports Beat, 1340 WAB. I like that. Transitioning from baseball to basketball, a sport that's been happening for a long time, and we can see the MAC tournament in the windshield of the car as we make our way into the very back part of the Mid-American Conference schedule for both the men's basketball team and the women's basketball team. We're first going to talk about the male Bobcats, who the last time they defeated Central Michigan was when Jake Armada was a freshman, I think. What, what year are you a freshman? 14-15. Um, so it was uh, when Jake Armada was a freshman, and he's now in his sixth year at, at Ohio University. Bobcats had not defeated Central Michigan since 2014 until last Tuesday, and so until this Tuesday when they defeated the Chippewas 77-69, to a game where it was a good game for everyone involved. Jordan Dardis, 27 points. Ben Vanderplas, 17 points. Jason Preston with 15 points, 6 rebounds. And this is a team, Taylor, I feel like we've talked about this enough, but this is a team that's finally getting it going. They're finally putting things together. We talked about it for a while where they were just one play away, and now it seems the last, I believe, three or four games that besides the Kent State game, they finally put it together. They get that one play, and they're putting together a very good back half of the Mid-American Conference schedule, and they're not in the bottom four anymore. Yeah, it's it's been it's been nice over the last couple of weeks. They've, um, they've done what young teams t- typically do, They've figured out how to win best at home. They've won their last three home games. Um, I went and did the math in Mac in Mac play. Uh, in their home games, they're scoring like seventy four point one points a game, and on the road, they're scoring sixty three points. So th- that's a pretty wide gap. So they're fi- they're figuring things out, and it- it's been it's been nice to see. And I think what was it last week? I said that. Uh, they needed to find a way to win three more games before the end of conference play to try to get a home game. Three, yeah, uh, they got one. They still play Miami, who they beat pretty badly, but they're going on the road for that. And then they got two home games next week that are vitally important for Max standings. They got Buffalo, I believe, on Tuesday, and then Kent on Friday. Both teams that they they could have beaten in their in their road games. Kent went. Like just bonkers from three, like seventeen of thirty-one. And no one, you're not going to shoot seventeen of thirty-one again. No, and actually on Tuesday they shot five of thirty-one against Eastern Michigan and lost by twenty-one points. So seventeen of thirty-one, and then five of thirty-one. So in the last two games, their total of twenty-two and sixty-two, and seventeen of those makes were in one game. Yeah. So the, like, perfect example of the phrase regression to the mean on Tuesday. <laughs> like yeah. they went back to their average. Like they're making about a third of their threes. So it's, it's been nice to see those guys kind of figure it out as the season goes on. Um, and I know I say that every week, but it, it's becoming more consistently good rather than you see flashes. So it's, it's been real nice to see that they've been able to figure that out. Uh, I still think it's the Dairy Queen. I don't know if any of you guys know this story. I know Taylor and I both and Jake knows this story, but... After the Ball State game, Coach Bowles and the Bobcats went to Dairy Queen. And if you guys were wondering what Jeff Bowles' order, it's the largest cup that they have, Reese's Cup Blizzard, just in case. <laughs> uh, you can bring it to him in his office if you, really, if you really, really want to. But he took him to Dairy Queen, and it was just a matter of he thought that this team needed something. Needed something. He didn't know what it was. Needed fun. <laughs> and I, it think, was I think he said they needed fun. And it was Dairy Queen. Uh, first of all, Dairy Queen is my definition of fun. If anyone wants to give me Dairy Queen, they can. But we going to Dairy Queen? Uh, if you're buying, I, I don't have money. money. For that. Okay, that's fair. I think we understand that. We'll wait on the Dairy Queen. But this is a team. Once they got the fun, they got the break that they needed in the much needed midweek buy. Uh, and this is a team that's. I know that Jason Preston talked about it. Ben Vanderplas talked about it. Coach Bulls talked about it. That after the Dairy Queen. And the break, they came back, and it seemed like they were a different team. They had a lot more energy at practice. They had a lot more defensive energy in games. And Jason Preston is actually coming to Coach Bulls at multiple points and saying that we should do this on defense. And every single time that it's really came out, it's worked. Yeah, I've noticed that 
since uh, who I, remember, I forget who they played. It was Miami. They said that they just wanted to press to start the game, and they did it the next home game. And I think they tried to start it against Kent, but then they just Kent just blew them out. But um, they started that again uh, early against Central Michigan, and Central Michigan's a team that kind of likes to push the pace. So um, when you press them, it slows down their offense a little bit, and they don't necessarily get the same looks. Uh, and then on on the offensive end, even Dardis said it after the game. He said that they just don't play very good defense. So they were able to get pretty much whatever they wanted, and they they converted on a lot of it. Like they made what did they make 13, 13 to twenty eight threes on on Tuesday. Forty eight percent is what the number is. Thirteen to twenty eight sounds about right. Thirteen to twenty seven, something like that. But it it was it was good, and you know it's just. We kind of thought we'd see this progress throughout the year. I think it's come a little quicker than maybe we thought it would. I, I think, obviously, we couldn't have foreseen the just massive progressions of Preston and Vanderplas, that they, the, the, the steps they took from last year to this year. And we talked about that a little bit last week. But they, they continue to just amaze out there for being as young as they are. And it's, what makes it scary is that, yes, at home, they're very, very comfortable. They play very, very well. If they get comfortable in Cleveland, this is a team that I don't think really any other team will want to see. Against Bowling Green, they were up at halftime. Against Akron, I don't know if they were up, but it was a two- or three-point game at halftime. No, they, they just battled that whole game. I mean, And th- this is a team that they can battle with anybody. They can battle with Bowling Green. They can battle with Akron. And it's a team, once they get comfortable and they can play defense and they start hitting shots on the outside on offense, I don't think there's any team in the MAC that wants to see them because they are a team that, even if they're possibly the 7 or 8 seed, they can upset somebody and make some noise. Yeah, all it takes is one really good shooting night from Dardis and Vanderplas, and that's that's 40 points almost. And you still got Preston getting 15 to 20 and dishing out 9 assists. Like, they... They have the pieces there. It's whether or not they can put it together consistently enough outside the convo to continue making a run at the end of MAC play. It's something that we obviously thought was going to happen probably next year. Everyone thought this a lot of development would start at the beginning of next year. But this is a team, when you look at what they have, Preston, a sophomore, Ben Vanderplas, a sophomore, Ben Roderick, a freshman, London McDay, a freshman. When you look at these pieces on this team, they're very, very young, and they have shown up at times where they've looked very, very good in games. And this is why there's a lot of positivity going into these next couple of years for Ohio and Jeff Bowles' career because they know what they're going to have in two years. And you also don't see any other team in the MAC that's going to be to step up to be that what Buffalo has been the last few years. There really isn't a team in the MAC that if you take out— You don't have to juniors, go through A. It's just— be the best that you can be, and you probably are going to win win the war of attrition at the end. And it's it's true because when you look at almost every other team in the Mid American Conference, it's very junior and senior laden. Yeah, almost all of their starting five is going to have two to three juniors, two to three seniors, and this is a a conference that is built on that. And once Ohio finally gets to that point, it could be really incredible. Yeah, and they're going to start to get to that point next year. I mean, Roderick has not shot well the last couple of games, but he's getting considerable minutes for a true freshman. London McDay has started almost every game. Um, you're still getting, like, you see Jordan Dardist out there diving for loose balls, as a, as 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 a Sylvester Ogbanda called him after the game, the old hat, diving for loose balls. Like, this team has come. They they've gelled, and it might be Dairy Queen. Maybe Jerry, Dairy Queen is the answer to all problems. Try it I and then so. <laughs> try it and come back and tell us because if it is, uh, we are going to patent that, and anyone who goes to Dairy Queen is going to have to give us some money. Listen, <laughs> if if you look at my body type, you can see that I have tried that, and I can tell you, I'm very happy with myself. That is a uh, very accurate. Another team that is very happy with where they stand in the Mid American Conference is the Ohio women's team. Jake defeating Toledo last night, 86 to 58. Uh, Erica Johnson, 31 points, 11 of 17 from the field, and most incredibly, 8 of 11 from 3. This was a game where I feel like we've said it a lot. I feel like we've said the same exact thing for both the men's and women's team this year. 
they are incredibly deep. You can have anyone hurt you at any night, and when everyone gets going, it's almost of who can stop this team. Yeah, and um, Eric and I were talking about it yesterday too because there were times where, um, I mean, CC and Erica would be guarded, right? And they would just kick it over to Amani wide open in the corner. She hit a three, or they just go down low to Gabby, and and Gabby scores. And it's also nice to see, you know, youngins like Peyton Geis out there too, making a little bit of an impact. And not just you know scoring five points a game, but she, I mean, she draws charges. She um, makes great plays. Yesterday, even at I believe it was half court or something, she came away with the ball um, against Toledo when when the time was running out. So, um, like you said, the team's deep. They showed a little bit yesterday how with four minutes left to go in the game, they're able to pull empty the bench. Yeah, empty the bench. You know, and, and that's awesome. As much as you'd like to see E, maybe get another triple double, you got to save for some minutes too. So, um, but yeah, I mean, you hit it on the head. They're incredibly deep. Um, they can hurt you in many ways from outside the arc, inside the arc. Um, it's just sometimes you just got to worry about foul trouble at times. But I guess CC now the last four games has shown she can get two or three quick fouls and somehow end with two or three fouls so most likely four but but still and that's what you want to see if you're a coach and and this coaching staff I thought it was interesting that uh when CeCe picked up her second foul with like two-ish minutes to go in the first that they kept her in she didn't come out until like seven minutes to go in the second yeah and I mean like in the last couple of times she's gotten those two quick fouls she's been on the bench yeah and they sit her right away But, but I think too Bob also trusts her especially since you pick up those two, three fouls right right away, and she can go the whole second half with maybe one foul. So I think Bob kind of trusts her in the sense that, you know, okay, we're going to leave you out there for a little bit. Just I trust you not to pick up that third or, or fourth foul. Yeah, so she pulled, um, up, she pull, he, uh, he pulled her out right after she uh, kind of reached for a semi-loose ball. Yeah, sometimes it's discipline and sometimes it's yeah. undisciplined yeah. when she does those fouls. And a lot of times, too, you don't want to bag on officials because officials – Sometimes they, they think CeCe's in the wrong spot and she comes in, swipes away the ball, and they're like, oh, that's a foul. You know, but it's just CeCe's that quick, right? I mean, she's so quick that Toledo had, doesn't have anybody athletic enough to guard her, so they put their five on CeCe, and their five player just stands at the top of the paint. Like, they don't do anything. Hence why CeCe takes five three-pointers last night. Took seven, actually. Seven, whatever. Yeah. So she was, what, one of seven? Which is ridiculous. She never takes seven threes. I mean, like, they're daring her to shoot. But they don't have anybody athletic enough to guard her. So they just they just pack the paint. And she's now she's now starting to – I mean, she used to be frustrated by that now. Now she's starting to adjust all that. And you saw it. I mean, she still put up 20-something points last night against a team that didn't even guard her. Yeah, they, they, Imagine if they did guard her. She's going to score – 30, 35. We asked her that. We asked if it was kind of like an experiment game for her last night to see if she was just kind of shooting threes to see, to, to show that on film. But um, it was actually Erica Johnson chimed in after that and said, no, we're telling her to shoot that. We don't want her to be disrespected like that. Yeah, no, not at all. I mean, you want people to come out and guard you like that. And, and she knows that too. Because if someone's leaving you so much space, I mean, even if Jed and I were playing one-on-one, and I, I give Jed 10 feet and I go, go ahead and shoot it. I know you're not going to make it. That makes Jed want. I'm probably not going to make it. Well, but <laughs> but he's going to shoot it. Your your mentality is what the heck, you know what I mean? So it's just one of those things, and, and she's had to adjust to that, and um, it's just a mentality that it's, if if that's the case, and she's got just has to become a better shooter. She's ten of forty eight or somewhere around that mark. My notes are in my book bag. I don't know why I didn't bring them out here, but I mean she, she's only hit ten of around fifty threes this year. So it's like, of course, teams are going to give her that space, right? But problem is, is when she starts hitting she can hit I've seen her hit yeah it was something Bob actually talked about last year and the tail end of the regular season she was actually the best three-point shooter yeah she can she can hit three she can it's just in the game setting for whatever reason she just can't hit I've seen her in practice all the time she'll make like seven or eight in a row at Central Michigan she she even said she even joked to Marwan she goes I've hit six three-pointers in a row why can't I do this in a game and I don't think she hit one against Central Michigan but and, and it's, it's not it's like it's weird. not like That's they're really guarding crazy. her on those threes either. They, yeah, and, the, and they're, they're actually like practice guarding. threes. Yeah, and they're actually. I mean, Central Michigan actually guarded her, but you know what I mean. It's it's just the, it's just the, it's wild. I don't know what it is. Well, and you can see her adjusting too during the whole thing. I mean, where I was standing slash sitting yesterday because I was having some IFB issues, but it was all good. You could see her face when she'd shoot, right? So she'd go. Oh, okay. I can do that, but she'd miss and just be disappointed with herself and move on to the next play. But when she hit that one time, she was so excited because she was given all that space, and she's like, "Okay, I can do it." Yeah, it was one of seven, right? But 
she still did it and you could I could see her facial expressions just go from confused to happier confused to frustrated because mm-hmm. she's watching herself go through this gameplay transition in the middle of a Mac game and that's not what she was looking for but if they're going to give her the space and the opportunity to do it why not and for a while there it was actually working and right. middle middle of the third quarter uh, Toledo was only down two and she had shot six threes mm-hmm. so that's six wasted possessions I can only imagine if and I'm not knocking CC's game at all I mean she's on pace to score 2,000 points only one person has done that in program history but imagine if she had a three-point shot where she would be right now it it would it'd be pretty incredible it would be it, it would be insane insane she would uh, average probably like 26 points a game. Yeah. I'll just shoot 35% from three next season. Yeah, well, I mean, but but that's the thing. It's like it's, if she develops develops that outside shot, I mean, she's... How do you, you guard the team? You, you don't. Not just her. Like, how do you guard the whole you team? Can't. Especially since you actually would have to guard her at the perimeter. And actually, right. it was funny. So Toledo, uh, Bob was saying this yesterday before the game, Toledo was the first team to just be like, screw it, we're not going to guard CC. We're just going to put our post player on her and have this post player at the top of the paint. And of course, Toledo winds up winning by twenty whatever. So, and that's when the trend started of teams not guarding CC. So now they're they're starting to figure it out now. So I mean, even even at this point, even with her not having an outside shot, teams are going to probably still not guard her. But now, what are they going to do when she puts up twenty points against a team and their post player? She still puts up twenty plus points. So I don't know. And then you also have Erica, too, who's a who's a pain. You also got to keep your eye on Gabby underneath, and then you also have Burke, who can put up. She can easily put up twenty points too if she needs to. She hasn't even really needed to. No, that's, that's been the scary part. Like they haven't. They you last year you kind of needed all three of them to kind of get into the fifteen point range mm-hmm. to have a good chance. I agree. This year, I feel like Amani's kind of not. I mean, taking a back seat, but like she's she's the even keeled kid. When, yeah. When things aren't going right, she she's the one that is the even keeled person. And I mean, and Katie too can hit. I mean, you saw her five of ten against Miami. She hit a couple two. I think she was she around had two, two last night. Yeah, she was two what two of four, two of five maybe last yeah. night, and that's still good. I mean, it's, so I mean, what are you gonna do now? It, once this team starts clicking, I don't know what what the opposition's gonna do. You just kind of have to hope you get something to go your way. At this point, you're gonna have to hope Erica has a cold night, and she hasn't yeah. done that in like three weeks. Yeah, yeah. Well, to go on your point of CC Hook still getting hers, mm-hmm. eight of fourteen. From non three point range, yeah, with a five guarding her, yeah, with the five guarding her, someone, and I mean, and Tanaya Beecham's no slouch, right? No, I mean, she put up eighteen and I don't know if it was ten. I know it was eighteen and I know I she, it, it was, was like a double double with eighteen points. Yeah, I mean, she's she's a post presence, and Toledo's a very physical team too. It was a gritty game last night, and she still put up what she did without being guarded and having someone much much bigger than her up against her. Well, and it was good to watch the team figure it out, right? Just because of the serious history of what mm. they lost by what twenty last game against yeah. them they, at home. In, Erica, like, Erica at, talked to them about home. that last night. She was like, um, "They beat us by twenty six last year. We want to beat them by twenty six this year." Right. And you saw that in the third quarter. It was a two point game, and then Toledo scored two points over the next twelve minutes. Mm-hmm. Twenty eight one run. It was, I think, over that entire span. It was thirty to two. Yeah, that's absurd. So now, now you just worry about consistency and whether they can put together that full game. You don't look for the full game, obviously. You're you're thinking, okay, if we if this team plays, I don't know, sixty seventy percent consistent throughout the game, they're going to be tough to beat. I mean, a complete game is nearly, I, I think, honestly, nearly impossible because like you're going to have those defensive efficiencies where, I mean, if you're up thirty on a team and you're like, okay, they're up thirty, like, what's the point, you know? Yeah. So you're going to have those points. Luckily, last night, I mean, they they did that against Miami, where there was a yeah, there was, was a that little was how Miami got back there was the a little run right there where Miami eventually cut it to twelve, and you wind up winning by twenty plus again. But you know, it's one of those things where you, where you just you, now you just hope they can keep it going until the tournament, and they they keep this consistency up. And I think honestly, and if, they're still being pushed. I mean, NIU is yeah. right there. Yeah, well, uh, not an IU, uh, but I mean, Ball, um, Ball State's right there. Is Ball State. Eastern Michigan's the fourth team. If you were going to tell me that Eastern Michigan would be the fourth seed, I would have told you to get out. <laughs> I would have well, told you to I get mean, out. I mean, I think half the MAC is seven and six. Yeah, and Mac that's East the thing. being yeah. part of that. Yeah, exactly. Bobcats women take on Akron on Saturday. Bobcats men take on Bowling Green. Both of those games on the road. Women start at one p.m. Men's game starts at 4.30 inside the show. 
That was Ohio Bobcats basketball, but we're keeping it basketball. Athens High School coming up next with Connor Mills. Connor Mills, this is Sports Week. Sports Beat, 1340 WB. Paul Roth and Taylor Jedrzejczyk walking out of the studio as we finish with Ohio basketball, now to high school basketball. Connor Mills, Athens Bulldogs, come away victorious earlier this week against Marietta. And then, is it technically sectional? What's the first round called? Uh, sectional semifinals. Sectional semifinals. So they won in the sectional semifinals against Marietta, who they lost to first time around 70-68. Mm-hmm. to 68, And then Bulldogs beat them big. Uh, Mon- what was it, Monday, Tuesday? Tuesday. Tuesday. 62-36. reason I asked that, sectional semifinals, the first game you play as like uh, in playoff basketball in Illinois is a regional semifinal. So Illinois goes regional, sem- uh, regional sectional, super sectional state. Mm-hmm. So I always try to like compare it. What's Ohio is sectional district. Sectional district state. There might be a semi-state in there. I so. thought there was regionals in between that. I thought it went districts, sectionals, regionals. I thought it might be sectional, district, region. Well, we're both coming from out of state here. Yeah. But, you know, I you know, think it's. We didn't grow up in this system. I think, okay, I'm basing this off of football. Okay. okay. I think it's section, sectional, district, region, state. Yeah. Because, that sounds right. Because there's four regions in football. So I'm right. guessing it's the same four regions in basketball. Yeah, I looked at the. I feel like that sounds right. Well, there's four four districts in basketball, right? You have di- or four divisions. So you yeah. got one, two, three, and four, and then uh, the four. You know, there's like Athens one, Athens two, East, North, whatever the the conference are. Uh, you can look it up on the OHSAA website. You know, find all the brackets and find all you know, the up to date stats on that. Yeah, we don't keep uh, track with that stuff. We just talk about it. Right. <laughs> and I know Connor, you were not at that game. Uh, the Marietta Athens game, just because the fact you were in the Convocation Center for the Bobcats taking on Central Michigan, but you've watched this team almost all year long, and this is a team where we weren't quite sure what we were going to get coming from last year. They graduated a lot, and Isaiah Butcher being in and outside of the starting lineup. This is a team that they've really had to lo- rely on Braden Markins and other people on this team because you're not quite sure what you're going to get every single night. Is Isaiah going to play? Is Isaiah not going to play? just all sorts of things around this team. And this is a team that has a very good chance to win a sectional and make their way to the district uh, semifinals in the Convocation Center because of what happened on the other side of the bracket with New Lexington being Sheridan as the 11th seed. Right. I mean, New Lex pulling off the upset. AP poll had Sheridan at number seven. Uh, so New Lexington had a very, very big win uh, against uh, you know against Sheridan. I mean, it was a huge win. Um, for for the Athens Bulldogs, uh, and again, it was a, a win that they had to redeem themselves from earlier on in the year. I think they were favored earlier on, did not have a good game against Marietta first time round, again, 70-68 loss. Uh, but this time, you know, even without Isaiah Butcher, you know, Butcher, at, at this point, you just have to go with the mindset that Butcher's not on the team. Now, he is still on the team, he's on the roster, but he's not contributing out on the court. Uh, so you just have to move on from Isaiah. He might be back in the Convocation Center. I know uh, there's a rumor floating out there that says it might be an 11-game suspension, and it has to go all the way back from Alexander, uh, second game against Alexander. But, again, you, know, you, you just have to you know play with the guys that you have on the court, and I think Mickey Kozar has done a, a tremendous job with who he has had out on the court with Braden Whiting, Markins, Stevens, Trainer, uh, and Will Matters. You know, those all those guys have, have done a, a great job all season long, and uh, they're, they're why the Bulldogs are where they are right now. 62-36 victory on Tuesday. A guy who was at that game, Joey Medore, the Athens lead reporter yes, for sir. Hardwood Heroes. I heard uh, Athens basketball and had to come running in. <laughs> I mean, it's fair. I respect that. <laughs> but that's a game where, like Connor said, earlier in the year, Athens struggled. They didn't play well ended up losing the first matchup but coming out in the second matchup winning by 26 and this is a different Athens team when you look at that obviously and what makes this Athens team go especially what do you expect from them in in playoff time well you know I would say during that first matchup they kind of let Marietta dictate the tempo and really slow Athens down Athens is a team that likes to get out and run on you and uh, Marietta did a really good job in their half-court offense the first time these two teams played around. And, of course, they had a different strategy defensively because they have Butcher in the middle, which they didn't have uh, back on Tuesday. 
So they zoned up Marietta in this game, ran a 2-3 zone, and just basically forced Marietta out of the paint and forced them to knock down jump shots, and Marietta wasn't able to do it. They shot 3-24 from behind the arc in that game. And obviously that was a big part of it. Uh, you know, Marietta hung around early. Athens kind of struggled to get their offense going early on. But they started knocking down shots, relaxing, and then they started forcing the turnovers. In their, they went uh, they went a full court kind of trap in the second half, and Marietta just wasn't able to answer. And I was, I was probably, I thought Athens was going to win that game. I was shocked that they dominated them like they did, though. I mean, Marietta has some solid athletes, but you know, I think you got to favor them against New Lex coming up tomorrow. The thing is about it, though, I mean, when a 14 seed wins a playoff game right against a three seed like they did, they got nothing to lose now. I mean. Their season was supposed to end on Tuesday. And that's why they're dangerous. Because right. you, you never know what you're going to get from them, one, because there's a reason they were a 14 seed. Sure. But there's also a reason that they beat the three seed. And you never know what you're going to get because they can give you the same game that they gave to Sheridan. Or it's a matter of they maybe just planned on playing Sheridan, had a perfect game plan, ended up upsetting them, and now they're going to be unprepared for the Athens game. Yeah, it's something that me and Connor have talked about often. It's tough to beat a team three times in one season, especially a conference rival. So I think that went against Sheridan in that game. I think, you know, it was evident the first time Athens and New Lex played that Athens was just a bigger, faster, stronger team. They just outran them up and down the floor, and they had Butcher who could dominate anybody on New Lex. You, you take that out, I, I mean, even Well, even Markinson. at the time, well, Butcher wasn't even on the court for New Lex. That's a good point. You're right. He wasn't even Butcher, around. Butcher, this is his second suspension. So, I mean, first time around, you know, he didn't get back until the Alexander game, the first one. Right. And Athens lost the first one. But still, I mean, you have the same game plan that you had earlier right. on in the year. Yeah. So, I mean... I think Whiting and Markins are going to continue to um, play well. Uh, but Athens definitely can't take them lightly. I mean, New Lex looked really locked in in that 1-3-1 zone against Sheridan and kind of did what Athens did to Marietta, forced them to take a lot of jumpers rather than let them get to the rim. Um, I think New, I think the key for Athens, you just got to keep playing fast like you are. I don't think I don't think if this game turns into a track meet, New Lex really has much of a shot. New Lex is going to try to settle down in their half-court offense and really possess the basketball, try to limit the amount of possessions that Athens gets. But if Athens is able to get stops and transition buckets, I think it's going to be really tough for the Panthers to knock them off. Do you guys have score predictions? Well, here, here's here's why I'm confident in Athens. I won't go score prediction yet. Connor's supposed he, to be neutral, so Connor he, doesn't have to. Well, here, here's here's why I, I got some confidence in the Bulldogs. Against Marietta, right, they shot 50% field goal percentage. From two-point field goal, 55%. Three-point field goal, 27%. And they, they're holding Marietta. Field goal percentage, 26.5. Uh, two-point field goal percentage, it's down to, to 41. I mean, Athens just outperformed Marietta in every facet in their game Every game's Tuesday. a new game. Every game's a new like game, but they have good momentum going into this game. That was their best basketball you know, that they played all season long. They gave up 70 points to Marietta the first time around. And now they, they come here second time and... You know, Athens wins against Marietta uh, 62-36. I mean, that's a significant drop-off in, in points from 70 to 36. So I think defense is good, and I think Athens' offense, uh, Mickey Kozar's guys going at the right time. I also feel like the game against Marietta their first time around in January left a bad taste in their mouth. For sure. I genuinely think that revenge is sweet. And it's easy to beat a team and make it even, but especially when you lose by only a bucket, in a for the for a team like the Bulldogs, At the buzzer, too. right? Mm. It was just a an overall battle for them, and they just kept going for it. So I feel like that's the reason why there was such a big um, big win over Marietta, and that's why they're going to let that fuel the fire going into the game against New Lex. Yeah, no, totally agree. Um, uh, as dangerous as New Lex is, I just think Athens is just the physically better team. And I think you might have made a point about, you know, you game plan a whole week ahead for Sheridan when you're New Lex, and it, they just ran their zone to perfection And New Lex, or Sheridan wasn't able to shoot their way out of it. I mean, it was crazy to watch. Sheridan just didn't look like the team they were supposed to be all season long. I think this is the first time they've won the uh, the MVL outright in a long time in basketball. So Athens. Taking on New Lex, like we said, that is on Friday. What time is that at? Seven. Uh, seven o'clock seven, tomorrow. And it's at, in Logan. Yes, yep. sir. Um, obviously, the winner the that. Yeah, that's right. Back to back years. They're Win to the combo. This one off. And, and here's an interesting trend, just to throw a little tidbit oh, for here we you. Go. I love tidbits. nuggets. But Big 2012 tidbit. defeated Circleville Logan Elm. 2013 defeated Gallia Academy. Uh, so back to back years in 12 and 13. Back to back in 15, 17 against Sheridan. A beat Circleville Logan Elm last year in the sectional finals. And then here comes New Lex here in 2020. But they've gone back-to-back 
you know, 12, 13, 15, 17, and 19, and looking to do it here in 2020. Yeah. I All think right. the, the crazy thing is, I mean, when you took a look at the bracket, you were like, man, Athens might not get out of the first round. Marietta's a tough matchup. Then you were like, they're going to play Sheridan after that. And it's just crazy how much things have changed. I mean, I guess that's why it's the playoffs. It's not March yet, so we can't say March Madness. February. Uh, February Fred Frenzy? Yeah, I don't know how much get that trademark quick. <laughs> I don't know how popular that's going to get, but you know, it's playoff basketball. We right. can just say that. Yeah. Bold prediction. How far do you think they're going? Do you think they win against New Lex? I think they will be New Lex. Do they uh, think? I, do you think they get out of the combo? Jackson. When's the last time they no. beat? I don't, they I don't know. They beat Jackson. The Jackson's ridiculous this year. Well, this this is the big question. Is though. Butcher playing? That's my only question. Say, that, if he yeah. plays, if he plays, if he plays, that changes I'm, everything. I'm feeling like but, uh, they get a little. They get, they a little get some juice from that. The, for yeah, sure. they get a little juice yeah. from him coming back. Well, Be interesting. You know, he, as of right now, he's not. He's on the roster, but he's not on the team. So we'll, we'll see if he comes back. But they have to defeat Newlex first, and then get to that point where they have Jackson on the other side. And Jackson has to get there too. So who are they going to play in the state be... championship? Then? No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I also think they're just going to take it one game at a time. Granted, they're sure. thinking about getting out of the convo, but I don't think any team's going to try and get ahead of themselves. I mean, I asked Jim Kearns, because I cover Alexander, and I was like, so Ooh. what about uh, your playoff on Tuesday? He goes, first we have to worry about River Valley. And that was his biggest concern. Great answer, Coach. Right, great answer. That's the, that's the answer I was wanting. Way to dodge that one. Right, so... I just think Athens is going to take it game by game, and if they get to the point where they get Butcher back, fantastic. If not, oh well, they were still in the combo. Any idea when the last time they left the combo? I mean, they got out of the combo. I That's mean, a great question. My history only goes back until 2000, and just tells me the sectional final results. The way I kind of look at this season, um, the, um, the main one I think is Burrow, but I don't even know if Burrow right. made it out of the. Combo. But the thing about this, like coming into the season, everybody was like, "What is Athens going to be this year?" We don't even know. They lost no one four did. starters off a senior off a team that won the TVC and just ro- pretty much rolled through everybody, and they lost four senior starters. And you knew you had Butcher coming back, but you didn't really know if Markins and Whiting would step up and what other options you were going to have with trainers. So I think this is a win this year for the Bulldogs making it to the combo, no matter what how far they go. Like we said, Bulldogs taking on New Lexington on Friday. That is tomorrow, 7 p.m. at Logan High School. Big weekend for Ohio Bobcats as baseball plays in Lexington, South Carolina. Softball in Charleston, South Carolina. Both Bobcats basketball teams on Saturday. Women's versus Akron, men's versus Bowling Green. And some wrestling. I know Connor Mills likes that, both on Friday and Sunday. This has been Sportsbeat. Thanks for listening to Sports Beat on WOUB 1340. You can listen back to the episode at Anchor FM forward slash WOUB Sports Beat, or you can catch the show on Twitter at Sports Beat WOUB.